0: me a go-no-go for launch.
1: Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was going to say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history.
0: We are go for launch.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. We are so glad you are joining us for episode 144. We're recording this on Saturday... September 18th, 2021 at 8 p.m. Pacific time. I'm your host, Terry Plucknett, and they're back. Todd Plucknett, Zach Saltz, here we are once again. Thanks thanks for coming back. I was lonely last week.
2: Yeah, like what what do we do if we're not spending, you know, eight hours on this podcast? You know, between watching stupid movies and talking aimlessly and hearing Adam's stories and getting distracted by Adam's dog. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know how to occupy my
1: time. I know. I know. What were we going to do? That's why I still recorded something because I really didn't know what to do with myself. So today, today's been a busy day. Todd and I both went and watched some live college football.
2: Yes. Good. And I went to it and there was a tasting last night
1: and today. Okay. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Uh. So. Uh. Let's. Two weeks is a long time. We forgot how to do this. I know. I know. Okay. So before we do anything else, I, I I have to go through this. So so Zach asks, what do we do if we're not on the podcast? Well, a lot of times, what we do is we text each other. So I Zach and I had a lengthy text discussion last night. Uh, that During that my has tasting. to be yeah that has to be shared, um with with Todd. Todd got a tiny little taste of it because he was I I had to ask for some help on something we couldn't figure out. But Zach texts me last night, and in, in the process we end up recasting a beautiful mind as if it were made in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, look, there's not going to be many people out there that can appreciate this. First of all, how I think I
2: feel like this went on for uh, several hours. It did. And, it totally did. Uh, I think we we still did not come to a, a, a agreement. Except, I will say, Robert Redford as John Nash was a great call. I never even disputed that. That was your first suggestion. It was a great suggestion. No, no qualms there.
1: Yeah, so so I I told Todd. Todd got one piece of it, and he and he said, "Well, let's save it for the podcast." So, yeah. So Robert Redford as John Nash was was, was the the big one. I, but
2: you know what? What originally I texted you the yeah. reason I texted you was I said Ron Howard would have played Bender, mm-hmm. and that's that whole up, character. too. I and mean, you you agreed with that.
1: Yeah, and and my my immediate Young response Ron, Ronnie was Ronnie Howard. Yeah, my immediate response was Michael Keaton would have played Saul, and and the two of them yeah. would have been would have been those two. Um, so so Todd, here here's our here's our casting here. here here's everything. Oh, we've Todd got. hasn't heard. Okay, I'll he, shut hasn't, up. Heard he hasn't heard I'm any. I'm sorry, of sorry any I spoiled that. that. Okay, that's okay. Well, what do you think of Robert Redford? That's that's yeah. Good, right? Robert Redford is John Nash.
0: It's I don't know. It's weird. I would have thought it'd be more like a Dustin Hoffman, honestly.
1: Oh yeah, we never even mentioned Dustin Hoffman. I think you need a shot of John
2: Nash in the wife beater in that hot classroom. I don't see Dustin Hoffman (laughs) doing that.
1: All right. So here's the rest of what we got. So uh, Alicia Nash would be Diane Keaton. Naturally. Naturally. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Saul and Bender would be Michael Keaton and Ron Howard. Uh, The Judd Hirsch character would be played by Judd Hirsch. Would be the same. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, the, the Christopher Plummer character would still be played by Christopher Plummer.
2: Although we had some other ideas
0: though. We
1: did. We did. Uh, the Josh Lucas character would be played by James Caan. Yeah, that was good.
0: Yeah, I could see that.
1: Yeah. Um. Total dick character, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you didn't have to specify. I mean, it's a Josh Lucas character. Of course, it's a total dick (laughs) character. Um, the, the Nobel representative obviously would still play the, same. The, the Nobel representative. The high,
2: highest war of all time. so uh, Exactly. Uh, not replaceable. Um,
1: now, now the one we had the most trouble with was Charles. Yes. And, and what you I texted Todd was, were, were there any young British stars in the 70s? And we couldn't really come up with one. And finally, I came up with the best one, which was Malcolm McDowell. I think he would be a great Charles. I like Michael Caine. He's a little All too I old. Like though. Michael Kine. That was the one thing though, is he was too old.
0: I said um, I said Edward Fox. But I, mean, I don't know who that is.
1: I don't I e- I didn't either. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. Yeah, okay, I mean, so the day of the jackal. He played the jackal. Fat scintillating.
1: Um Parcher was another one that was a, a point of contention. Yeah. We settled on Robert Shaw simply because mm-hmm. we didn't have anybody, any, but I like ones.
2: Maximilian shell, but I don't think Terry knows who that is. I,
1: I know, I know the name. I don't know enough of his work to, to be able to say that, that that'd be good. My, my final suggestion, which you must've fallen asleep by the time <laughs> I sent this to you was, uh, was Frank Sinatra as Parcher. Oh yeah. Okay.
2: I saw that. I thought that was too much of an ode to a uh, mentoring <laughs> candidate though. And, um, uh, I what also what happened to Jason Robards as Doctor Rosen? He, he oh yeah, he Jason Robards worked.
1: as Doctor Rosen would have yeah. been good too. And then and then the the purely uh, just completely indulgent choices: uh, Tatum O'Neill as Marcy, or Brooke Shields, um, or Brooke Shields. Uh, the blonde at the bar would be played by Sybil Shepherd, and the punk in the park mocking John Nash would be played by John Travolta.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, I was proud of that one.
1: That was a really good one.
0: So who directs this movie?
1: Oh, we were trying to figure this out. I, I immediately said Sidney Lumet, and and Zach, you said Alan, uh, Pacula.
2: Oh yeah, Alan Pacula. Yeah, because of the paranoia.
0: And Robert yeah. Redford.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also okay. said that uh, if we could, if if uh, Robert Redford had said no, I would have gone with Rick Dalton in a comeback role with, <laughs> yeah. of yep. course, Cliff Booth as his stuntman. And, and if that, that was the great, case, if he was no longer in Italy, if he had done the Carbucci movies and was was back in the States.
1: And if that was the case, the girl from the re- Western obviously would have been Marcy and the Timothy Oliphant character from the Western would have been the Josh Lucas character.
2: I think we've just we've we've blown too many people's minds. At this I, point. I think so. I, <laughs> there's not enough <laughs> electroshock. There's not enough energy in the world to electroshock me back into reality.
1: Well, Welcome to our random conversation. See, this is literally why we started the podcast, because we would have these random conversations and then we'd just say, you know what, we should just turn on a microphone when we have these and see what happens. And so this you is should what have I done are- that.
0: You should have said, we're saving this for the podcast. That's what you should have said last night.
1: Well, no, I, I saved it to reveal to you. So, Todd, what, what do you think? I-, I think this turned out pretty well.
0: I mean, that's pretty star-studded uh, <laughs> for A Beautiful Mind, but...
2: Well, it's not Edward Fox, you know, star-studded, but, you well, know, it,
1: it's close. It depends on it depends on what part of the 70s you're in, too. Like, early 70s.
0: I mean, but even so, like, I mean, Paul Bettany isn't a big star. You need a character actor for that, not Michael Caine. I don't know.
1: Malcolm McDowell!
0: Malcolm McDowell, I mean, Malcolm I guess... McDowell's he was bigger he was like, than
2: Michael Caine.
1: In the '70s, because he had Clockwork Orange, but that makes him perfect for for that role. I don't know.
0: Michael Caine was coming off of like the Italian Job and Alfie and Sleuth. I mean, he he was a big star. And Jaws the Revenge. Of no, course. that was later.
1: Okay, and then then there was one last thing. Zach had a list of actors who could not be cast in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, and, good. and it was uh, Warren Beatty, Burt Reynolds. Charlton Heston, Barbara Streisand, Woody Allen, and Clint Eastwood.
0: I feel like Woody Allen could have easily been in the movie. <laughs> oh, he's the worst. <laughs> How,
2: what? There's no no role
1: he could have played in the movie. Some whatsoever. neurotic
0: like, student
1: <laughs> or something. They could they could have made up a role for him. As I was saying,
2: John Nash was uh, an anti-Semite. I don't really think Woody Allen would (laughs) have the real John Nash. I I don't think that would have been a good mix.
1: Uh, That's a valid point. Maybe Woody Allen would have been been a different direction than he
2: would have been been at the CIA headquarters (laughs) with Prairie Portage, Minnesota. You know, maybe maybe, we didn't cast that guy. That would have had to be Arlie Ermey, right?
0: Was my was Michael Keaton even acting in the 70s? That's I what I said.
2: And then I said Kevin Klein as as uh what's his Charles? And then Terry no, was no, like no, he
1: no. Wasn't Michael Keaton back then. I said was Saul. All
2: right, this has gone on too long. I need yeah, more gone on way I too need long. more alcohol. I have respect for beer. <laughs> what are you drinking, Zach? I'm drinking something called Garnacha de Fuego, but I'm getting precipitously low on it, so I may need to take a potty break and uh refill. Fill it up, there, cowboy. Todd, that's what do you what got? Burnham said.
0: Uh, I have red beer, so nice. tomato <laughs> juice and Coors Light. Oh, that sounds disgusting.
1: Oh, that kind wow. of red beer. Okay. What Where's else it? would it be? Is, it that, wasn't a, is like... that a real thing? There's a red. Yeah, that's beer. A, it's a
0: it's a Midwest thing. It's a Nebraska thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. And the only way our mother will drink beer. Um. Wow. Way to go, I Karen. Have... So I have uh, I Costco's a beautiful place for beer um, and I got a variety pack from Silver Moon Brewing in I think it's in Bend. And so this one is my favorite not only because it's their hazy I, and I and I really like hazys, but it's it's called the Simon says hazy IPA and it's got the lunar lander on it. like that's just cool, right?
2: Nice. When we do our uh, die Hard three deep dive, you gotta drink
1: that. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, uh, make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing. We can find us all over the internet, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, Spotify. Find clips of us on YouTube uh, so you can see all our all our lovely faces. And uh, make sure that, uh, yeah, make sure you subscribe, you rate, review, you let everybody know. Go to almostsideways.com for all the details on everything that we do. All right, before we get into what we've been watching... We wanted to mention something. Uh, one of the bigger news stories of the week, I feel, was uh, hearing about the death of Norm Macdonald. And one of the one of the great, great comic voices uh, out there. At least one of the most unique comic voices uh, that was out there. So, I want to talk a little bit about him and uh, and go from there. So, Zach, you're the one that that mentioned that we uh, should start our show off with this. So, uh, floor's yours. Oh, I was just going to say
2: that back in 2006 in college, Terry and I got in a fight about what movie to rent one night in East Hall. It was a Saturday night. And, uh, you know, we went to the video store and Terry was like, have you ever seen Dirty Work? You know, it's it's a <laughs> hilarious movie with Norm MacDonald. I was like, really Dirty Work? I, mean, I don't know, man. Have you ever seen the comedy classic stripes with bill murray and so then because it came, you hadn't well that's beside the point but <laughs> we split up into camps you know it was like lord of the flies you know we got the we got the dirty work camp we got the we got the uh uh stripes camp we even had the fan club there i don't know how my team won but we rented stripes it, it i, was, I get, was there you were Todd there. was there.
1: Todd okay, yeah, we, we were, were going to
0: rent the nineteen like thirties Greta Garbo version of the Painted Veil because we couldn't go see the new one
1: because <laughs> it was sold out when we got to the theater. <laughs> well, the point is,
2: long story short, we went. We went back to East Hall. Ten minutes in, I passed out. I think. I mean, Stripes was pretty terrible, so I've regretted it my entire life. I still have yet to see Dirty Work, so I'll, I'll watch uh. it by, by the next couple podcasts or so. Anyway. Going on Norm McDonald deep dives on YouTube all week. The man was a comic genius, one of the two or three great degenerate betters of all time. Some amazing anecdotes about his life. I think my favorite YouTube clip is when he tells the joke about the moth at the podiatrist's office. Yes, that's amazing. Five minute monologue. So cheers to Norm McDonald, one of the all time greats. It's or when he does his Tarantino media.
0: impression,
1: does he have a Tarantino? I haven't see seen that. the Tarantino impression.
0: Yeah, where he's like, he's like, I was the one who was, had the foresight to cast him with Thurman as Marcellus' wife, okay? Like, I don't know, I mean, he, he's like, he's <laughs> like, has
2: like Todd's impression of Norm McDonald's. Oh, I'm impression. terrible. <laughs> you actually have to watch it. <laughs> I'll
1: have to look that one up. Uh, I Speaking of his impressions, I did see that uh, one of the tributes that was tweeted out uh, about Norm Macdonald was from Bob Dole. Uh, at which point I immediately had to Google is Bob Dole still alive? And apparently he is, he's 98 yeah, years old now. and tweeting about Norm MacDonald. So, uh, that was impressive. I, yeah, I watched a bunch of clips too. And, uh, one, one, um, one thing that I loved, I love the moth story, but another one that I found that was awesome was, uh, he participated in the comedy central roast of Bob Saget. Oh yes. And, and, uh, and also, so along with this, um, Conan O'Brien's podcast. They did a whole episode, an hour-long episode, just dedicated to talking about Norm Macdonald, and it was him and Andy and one of the producers, and they talked about that that roast. And apparently, the producers came up to Norm and said, "You need to just like go all out and just do everything you can to just just tear him apart." And so he goes out there and purposefully bombs. And that became the joke. Like he had cue cards in his hand the whole time and gave these deadpan stares at the audience for like 30 seconds at a time. And so John Stamos was hosting the roast of Bob Saget and he gets up there. And the first joke he says is John, John Stamos. Uh, he, he he's, he's known as being quite a swinger. Did you know when he was born and instead of an umbilical cord, he had a bungee cord. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Bob, Bob Saget, he, he, has, he has wavy hair because it, it's waving goodbye because he's losing it. <laughs> I, and, and then just would stare everybody down as he slowly switched his card. And it was, and, and the comedians on the stage were laughing hysterically. But uh, then the one last other one that I wanted to mention, and it was something similar to the Moth story. On Conan's show and he gave a joke Like that where he went on for like five minutes Telling a story and then uh, And Andy Wrapped it up and this is like a perfect Like this is what Norm was Andy wrapped it up by saying It's like you pulled us out of our House to take us on a three mile Hike to show us a turd <laughs> <laughs> To which Norm Literally fell out of his chair laughing So uh, Yeah nor McDonald.
0: Yeah, I, I found a clip of Dirty Work on YouTube yesterday, actually, and it was he was like having a really bad day, and he has this pre-recorded message that he has, uh, and he plays it, and and it, and it says, "Note to self: No matter how bad life gets, there is always beer." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> I feel better now." No, that should be quote of the day.
1: That should have been those note to selfs are on Dirty Work are are the best or or the the live the live views car commercial with the dead hookers. i mean
0: <laughs> I, I remember almost nothing about that movie but uh,
1: that i, I remember was it was like one it. of chris farley's last movies and th- there was a, a picture from from that movie that's made its way around the internet of you know chris farley and norm mcdonald reunited again but uh. okay rest in peace norm mcdonald um we'll we'll keep laughing at your jokes for many, many years. Okay. We've had a lot of uh, straying from the path for the first little bit here, so let's go really quick through what we've been watching a little bit. Uh, Todd, you're first.
0: Uh, so my Matt Dillon movie comes from 2002, directed by Scott Calvert, and it is called Deuces Wild. Mm. And this should have been a like prototypical a Todd, Todd movie. movie. <laughs> it should have been a Todd movie. It, it, it thinks it's good, Goodfellas. It, it's got some cool actors like Stephen Dorff and James Franco, Norman Reed is a big pussy from Sopranos and Frankie Muniz, but it's also got like Todd actors like Brad Renfro and Johnny Knoxville and Feruza Balk. And of course, Matt Dillon. And it's directed by the guy who directed the basketball diaries, which I think is one of the most like underrated movies of the nineties. That was the only other movie, but this movie sucks. Um, It's about like these rival gangs in Brooklyn. And uh, these two brothers, played by Stephen Dorf and Brad Renfro, they belong to the Deuces, and their brother dies from some street drug that was made and sold by the other group, the Vipers. And so they, like, swear off selling drugs because they want to clean, clean up the streets, sort of. And so the, other, the guy who sold them the drugs gets out of prison, and he wants to start his drug trade again, and so this big gang war happens. And uh, it becomes sort of an, a stupid action movie. Um, the acting is really bad. Uh, like Matt Dillon plays like the local mob boss who wants like the, everything to end between the gangs. It's kind of weird casting. He's the only one that would have experience in these kinds of movies, but it'd be as one of the younger people, not as the experienced one. And it, it has like the corniness of like a stupid musical, like a West Side Story kind of thing. Or but it, and it, it has it has like it wants it to be like a tough guy movie, but it has no teeth it's like a poser it's, it's got tough guy actors with the same like bad words and doing bad things but it's it doesn't feel bad um and, i mean it, it is bad but it doesn't feel bad it's pretty lame and it's just stupid and full of cliches brad Renfro is the highlight of the movie though he's i mean he's like he was like young sean penn or like a like a more polished sean haddesey or something um but the, i mean the movie is disappointing it's really stupid i give it one and a half stars
2: Yeah, I don't know how you hadn't seen that movie before. I've never seen it, but that shit had Todd written all over it. Oh, I know. That's why I watched it. (laughs) Your review of it is what my review was to that Channing Tatum movie that you made me watch about a year ago, which sounded the exact same. Just a bunch of greasers with all the moves, but none of the soul. Do
0: you know what I'm talking about? A guy to recognize in your saints? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one.
1: Ah, Still haven't seen that one.
0: Shame on both of you for saying those things. All right, Zach, what'd you watch? So I this feels like it happened
2: a long time ago, but earlier today I saw uh, the eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh, uh, yes. Went to the theater, watched it. Now it's kind of an interesting experience because I went to the theater in uh, Olathe, Kansas, and I'm pretty sure there were some uh, white people in the theater that actually went to the movie because they liked Tammy Faye. So uh, they weren't wearing masks, of course, and they were very vocal throughout the experience. So it was a little scary being that close to them um, and uh, actually thinking that like they had an authentic, sincere desire to, to watch this movie So um, because they like Tammy Faye. Anyway, Jessica Chastain plays Tammy Faye Baker. It's a movie directed by Michael Showalter, who, uh, when we last saw him, uh, directed that comedy that we watched last summer. Um, what was it called? Shoot. I forgot. Uh, anyway. It, oh yeah. It was called um, uh, The Lovebirds. I think I liked it. Oh, okay. be, I forgot I'd about be, that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, okay. Long story short. you know, Tammy Faye Baker was the wife of the televangelist Jim Baker who in this movie is played by Andrew Garfield. And, one of, the, and you know, she was known as this kind of hysterical, over-the-top uh, caricature who was lampooned on, like, Saturday Night Live and other things. You know, she wore a lot of gaudy makeup and sang. And her and Jim Baker basically had this televangelizing empire um, that kind of rivaled Pat Robertson and Oral Roberts. But what made Tammy Faye different, besides the fact that she was a woman, was that she had uh, a lot more sympathy and tolerance for, like, um, gay people, um, people with AIDS. Uh, kind of non-conformists and those of course for people who were shunned by uh, the more conservative sects of the uh, evangelical church I like the movie. I think the movie had a lot of sympathy for Tammy Faye. Jessica Chastain is amazing in the movie. I really admire her as an actress. However, I couldn't get past the fact that at a fundamental level, these two people were crooks. I mean, they defrauded these viewers out of millions of dollars for their stupid televangelist empire. I couldn't get past that fact. I wish the movie had had a little bit more teeth in regard to that instead of just showing her as this wholly sympathetic kind of babe in the woods type. So I give the movie two and a half stars while simultaneously acknowledging that Jessica Chastain is pretty amazing in it and probably deserves an Oscar nomination. It needed better direction. And Michael Showalter, the the director of The Lovebirds, was not the right choice.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to see that one. There's a lot of movies in theaters I want to see, and I haven't actually gotten to the theater in a couple of weeks, which is bothering me. So I'm I'm gonna be trying to catch up. All right, my Oscar watch going back 20 years to the only animated nominee from 2001. I hadn't seen yet.
0: Jimmy Neutron. Jimmy Neutron.
1: Jimmy Neutron, boy genius. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, it up against the likes of Shrek and monsters Inc. We have Jimmy Neutron boy genius, uh, based on the Nickelodeon show. And you can tell, uh, this movie is about this genius kid who does all these crazy inventions and things like that with this crazy, crazy brain. Look at the big brain on Jimmy type of a deal here. And uh, he makes a satellite out of a toaster that he shoots into the into outer space. Found It's found by aliens. And it uh, gives the aliens an idea to go abduct all of the parents of planet Earth, and only Jimmy Neutron, his mechanical dog, and all of his child friends are able to go and save the parents. Apparent at some point, there's there's robots doing the chicken dance. I they, and they fly carnival rides into outer space. Apparently, because Jimmy Neutron is so smart, he can breathe oxygen in outer space and doesn't have to worry about that. Um, this movie is horrible. Uh, it is... The, first off, the first thing you see is the animation, which looks like a cutscene from a PS1 video game. Uh, it is horrible, and, uh, and I couldn't get past that. Second, the, the plot's just stupid, and the character's annoying, and uh this i i lost interest five minutes in and uh yeah i'm giving it one star and the only reason it's getting one star is because my son really liked it so there's that like he asked to watch it the next night after we watched it so i don't know so that makes me like it less
0: because then you have to watch it again
1: I don't know how in the world this got an Oscar nomination. The only way this got an Oscar nomination is literally only three movies that were animated came out in 2001. That's yeah, the only way it gets nominated.
2: That's re- that's not true at all. There was Osmosis Jones and Oh,
1: such a better movie.
2: Atlantis, Osmosis Jones is amazing. Atlantis: The Lost Empire and The Final Fantasy
1: movie.
0: And Oscars And Terry's favorite waking life. Oh, of course. And uh uh Christmas Carol, the movie with Nichols Cage.
1: So so we just came up with a list of like <laughs> ten animated I gave movies. That three stars. <laughs> on that list of ten animated movies, Jimmy Neutron ranks twelfth. So um you hate star Waking TV Life series? too.
0: You gave that one star too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Neutron's worse. Um okay, so well. one star. It doesn't have it's horrible. It, it, it's it's on Netflix. If you want to I mean seriously, just look at the trailer. And you'll see, cut scene from a PS1 video game, that's the level. Six years after Toy Story comes out, that's the level of animation we're putting out there. The year Monsters, Inc. and Shrek come out, we have like PlayStation video game graphics making Oscar lineups. Horrible.
0: Well, I mean, but then again, South Park was nominated for an Oscar too, Terry. <laughs> and that was still the same TV. Yeah, but that
1: that's that's different. That that's like stylized that way for a reason. This is just we're gonna be cheap and just make an hour and a half long version of a Jimmy Neutron TV show. Yeah. And I mean but there you- were there were better graphics in Veggie Tales. I mean
2: Would you watch Jimmy Neutron over Space Jam two? if you had to watch mm-hmm. one of them again
1: and that's so hard
2: i realize it's a vulgar question <laughs> uh,
1: i I'd, I'd probably watch jimmy neutron again i probably watch jimmy neutron.
0: that was probably the right answer yeah, i've never seen yeah. jimmy yeah. neutron but that was the right answer uh,
1: J- jimmy neutron it's just bad but it doesn't offend me
0: <laughs> didn't have warner
2: brothers uh IP. It, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: I, I'm, I'm not offended at the thought of, of how stupid they think I am, like I was at during Space Jam 2. So, alright, let's move on. It's now time for a featured review, and for this one, we went to the latest theatrical slash HBO Max release, Cry Macho, the new Clint Eastwood movie. My son, Rafael, he's in trouble. I want to get him out of Mexico. You want me to go down there and kidnap him? Please, just get him back up here. Just you? Just me.
0: Hey, Rafael, you can come out now. I'm a friend of the family. Touch me and I'll kick your
1: ass on, man. Jesus Christ. Uh, Let's see here. Who's going first here? Todd, it's your turn. Todd, you're going first. Tell us all about Cry Macho and what you thought
0: okay crime macho stars clint eastwood he plays mike milo he's a former like cowboy wrangler rodeo star but he broke his back so now he's just sort of living out his life he uh gets fired from his job and but then his boss uh offers him another job of for of heading down to mexico to collect his son rafa from his mother who doesn't really take care of him and even though he's in his 90s uh the boss which is played by dwight yokum he uh uh, he figured Mike was the best for the person for the job because it basically was the plot of a Western. You know, like, it's the cowboy is going to roll into some town after a long travel, he's going to rescue some bad person. And then while fighting off challenges of terrain and, like, bad guys on the way back to safety, he's going to win the day. I, I kept thinking of News of the World when I was watching this, uh, where, probably because it was a, a recent movie, but uh, it really is the plot of basically every Western in the 50s. Macho is the name of the book, which is also the name of the rooster, owned by the child. He's like really into cockfighting and uh which I mean, which is initially where he finds him. Uh the movie has a lot of the themes that Clint has explored before, mostly like what it means for you to like be a man and how you should conduct yourself. He's like he's a very fatherly figure in this. He's pretty sentimental and sappy. Uh, but it works really well, I think, in this. Uh, the opening of the movie felt, I, it, I think the overhead shots and the music sounded exactly and looked exactly like Hoosiers. It looked like a sports movie. I don't know why it started like that, but it was kind of weird when it started out. But, I mean, Clint Eastwood has developed some sentimentality than you have uh, back in the day. Uh, but he, uh, he is in this movie basically in every frame. And he is at the same time amazing and miscast. Like, he's this grouchy old man, but he's got a big heart it's not it's not the usual clint persona like so hearing him actually have sincerity when he talks it, it, and uh, it just felt weird and um, but i mean it works sort of because he's like one of the most char- charismatic actors the last like 60 years he he's he's a like, great at making these movies with like no other uh actors like n- unknown actors or non-actors I, I i can't think of someone who could get that this kind of budget for a movie without any stars like he can always do his Sully. he can always do his flags of our fathers but then sometimes he just wants to make like 1517 to Paris or Gran Torino, which this movie has a lot of similarities to. He could get anything Greenland because he's Clint Eastwood. But he's he's fascinated in this. There's a scene by the campfire that I loved where he was just like laying back and it just he just looked like an old uh, old cowboy. And it was just like him absolutely in his element. But the problem is his co-star Eduardo Minette is awful. And like he, he has like multiple monologues where I can't even tell you what they were about because I didn't care enough to listen to him because he sucked. But, uh, it was his first movie, but it didn't matter. Um, uh, the, the whole, this movie is about Clint though. Like, I mean, he, he's so incredibly singular that when you hear his voice, you can't picture anyone else doing that role. And the only other person I could think of that has that is like a Seth Rogan or something like that. Like I, I, I can't, uh, there's, n- there's no other way I could hear lines that are said by Clint unless they were Clint. I mean, maybe it, at a, at C- if Chris Cooper in like 20 years or something, uh, could get to that point, but uh, but this is Clint doing his thing—the same thing he's been doing for sixty years. He, he and what's scary is that he was actually my age when he made his first movie with Sergio Leone, and that was just terrifying because he already looked like he was like in his fifties or like maybe sixties. He looks the same. He looked the same for like forty years, and he was my age when he made that movie. But overall, this movie I liked it. I, I it it's almost like a nineties movie in its sentimentality or it, it's like uh, sensibilities and in its in like the music, and it, it's uh. When you compare it to other Eastern movies, it it ranks sort of the same way that Luca did in the Pixar canon. It's like a solid entry. It's never going to be looked at as like a top 10 or 15 movie in that catalog. But it is still better than most anything else out right now. And it's it's a really solid three-star movie.
1: All right. Three stars from Todd. I'll go next on this one. Um, Cry Macho is the reason Quentin Tarantino wants to stop at 10 movies. So that the rest of his filmography isn't crap, because this movie was horrible. I I did not like this at all. This is uh, you, you said Clint is miscast, and I agree because Clint doesn't shouldn't be acting anymore. You, you said he had heart in some of his lines. I was just happy he was able to recite his lines because it looked like they were a struggle at times. Uh, he is he is. For the first time in a movie, I feel like he has showed his age, and he looks and sounds old and tired. And he broke his back. I, <laughs> you know, I there there's That's why there's you a ageism, Terry. No, 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 no. The, he it, this it, this is I felt sorry for Clint Eastwood, thinking he had to be in this movie. Um, the one redeeming factor in it is the fact that he still has a beautiful artistic eye behind the camera. And it was a very, it was a very beautifully shot movie. Um, And would full of color, which is rare for a Clint Eastwood movie because he, he likes to whitewash his palette a lot in how he, he shoots his movies. This one was, was full of, of brightness and color and scenery that he usually leaves out of his films. That's a, that's a one bright spot, which tells me, he should potentially still be making films, just not acting anymore. Uh, I agree that his his co-star was horrible too. I he was it sounded horrible. The and and the the script was awful. I mean, the first scene between him and Dwight Yoakam, and then they like have this one scene, and then they, it's like okay, flash forward to when our relationship is completely different. And then they have another scene where it's like, "All right, we're in the same room. We're gonna do this again, and now we're gonna have a different conversation." It it was it was lazy, lazy writing, horrible co-star, and an actor who needs to realize he shouldn't be in front of the camera anymore.
0: Well, he doesn't One, want to
1: act anymore. Then why does he? Why does he act? One and Probably a half stars. he was
0: directing the movie.
1: One and a half stars. One and a half stars. That's what I'm going with.
0: Okay. So first of all, I know that Zach. The first thing Zach's going to say is something about the composer. <laughs> no, but okay. okay. Well, he's he's the, the he's the the same composer that did Speed. Oh, really?
1: Um, oh. Uh, Mark Mancina. Like Mark
2: Mancini. Okay. Cine. Well, listen, Cina. I I Mark Mancina, not Henry Mancini. Mark. Mancini. Uh, I didn't have a reaction to this score in the way that I, I do with speed. So it we, we can keep it PG rated. <laughs> um, but, uh, okay, so, you know, normally we do these reviews and it's like, you know, one guy says one thing and the other says the other. One dog looks one way. And, uh, you know, usually the third one falls right in the middle. This time I, I completely agree with one of you and completely disagree with the other. And I, I, it is I completely agree with Terry. I think pretty much everything Terry said sums up my feelings about this movie, too. I guess I don't want to be too hard on Clint Eastwood. If you're 91 years old and you've had a career that Clint Eastwood has had, you should feel as though you have the right to star in your movie. However, when you look at the scene where he's dancing, I mean, that's like an SNL sketch. Like this, this movie is like almost like pushing satire bad. She's holding him up, man. Like he's, he's literally falling over because he can't stand up. How, because he scene, broke his back. How about the scene where he's on a horse that is clearly played by a stuntman? Maybe Cliff Booth. I don't know. But there's no way Clint can get on a horse anymore. Okay. I was prepared to accept all that. But then we get to the scene where not one, but two women want to seduce Clinton in this movie. And it's like, it reminds me of the episode of Sex and the City when Samantha sleeps with the old guy. It's embarrassing that I'm saying that. Todd, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, (laughs) I mean, come on. We can only believe so much. I mean, maybe if it was Kim Cattrall, maybe then, you know, suspension of disbelief. Um, What were the bad guys doing in this movie? I think they really just wanted to steal the car. I don't think they had any other agenda in this movie except for to steal the car that Clint and the and the boy are in. Um, what was with the hippie girls at the beginning of this movie? I, they had no purpose at all except, again, you know, maybe they were from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or something. I think they were there to establish that this movie took place in the seventies. I was like, let's let's go with them, man. That looks like a fun adventure. We never come back to them. What was with Todd comparing Clint Eastwood to Seth Rogen? I wrote that down on my notes. What I I'm not sure what that was all about. What's but mean? I'm like when I'm you hear that s- in my critique critique of the movie,
0: <laughs> fine, whatever. When you hear Seth Rogen say a line, you can't hear anyone else say it. That's the same way you feel about a Clint movie. Okay, Clinton. sure. And then uh,
2: Clint takes several naps in this movie, maybe because he's 91 years old. I'm with him. I took some naps during this movie, too. I had to stop it several times. This is like the longest 95-minute movie I've ever had. That's the problem with HBO Max now. You know, you get these shitty movies, and you pause them. But then you, you forget about what it's like when you pause. So when you watch the movie, you've actually watched four hours. you spent four hours of your life watching this shit. So I don't know whether I'm glad I saw it, not in a theater or at home. But I agree with Terry. One and a half stars. Whatever. <laughs> I think I'd watch Jimmy Neutron over it. I, I think I would give Jimmy Neutron a chance over this watching this movie again. This, this this was painful. I did okay. Here's the thing I liked about it. I liked the scene at the beginning when they show that Mike was in an accident and it goes to the newspaper and then it becomes an animated photo. I thought that was cool because my high schoolers can do that. I actually, you know, can teach that. And like, that's in a movie. Like, I mean, it looked cool, but still, you know. I feel like that's been in other Eastwood movies, too.
1: Which goes to my point that the best part of this movie is Clint's direction. Which shows he can still make movies and make good movies. He just shouldn't be in them anymore.
2: This script was awful. Did you see the script was written like 50 years ago? Why am I not surprised?
0: Like this script has no urgency. Why is this, this is movie? 50 years ago? It was me. it was written by the writer of the book, and they've been trying to make it for like 20 years. There's a reason why it hasn't been greenlit.
2: <laughs> it sucks. I don't know. I'll stop being mean to it. Terry knows what I'm talking about. I can I I guess from a from a hypothetical standpoint, I can understand liking the, the the mood and the pace of the movie because it's definitely what Tarantino would call a hangout movie. It's like Rio Bravo because nothing happens in it. But just give me better characters, I guess. Yep. Better
0: than The Mule. That I, can, Mule. I, that I can believe. I didn't see The Mule. Well, I see basically every Eastwood movie.
1: Not as, not as good as Gran Torino. Gran Torino was good.
0: No, I think this is better than Gran Torino. I, I wasn't a huge fan of that. Gran like Torino, it. I think, is a top top five Flint
2: movie. So, uh, I this movie had the skeleton of. Grand okay, Torino, okay, you got to
0: give your top five if you're claiming that's in the top <laughs> five because you're going to name about nine or ten. And you're going to be like, okay, maybe not. No,
2: it's definitely a top five Clint movie. Bridges of Madison County is obviously number one. And there, it's a, uh, I, I would probably put Unforgiven number two. Uh yeah, Million Dollar Baby Three, Grand Torino 4, Heartbreak Ridge 5. There we go. Bam. Done. He didn't
0: direct Heartbreak Ridge, did he?
2: I don't know. Wasn't that the one with Marsha Mason on the army base? That was a pretty good movie. But like good and I don't likely. think
0: he directed that. Well, I mean, but so you're are you putting that above his Iwo Jima movies? The real question is compared to
2: where does this compare to his orangutan movies? I think it's in the same category. <laughs> And at least when the orangutan attacks someone, it's it's believable. Plus, did direct Heartbreak Ridge, by the way.
0: Okay. Well, I don't know. There, I mean, there's it's hard to tell like, sometimes whether he directed it or not. Once that he's in. Yeah.
1: Alright, well... <laughs> Zach and I are giving it one and a half stars. Todd's giving it three. It is isn't theaters now. It's well, I mean, easy I'm to find
0: on HBO the Max. Theater see it. I mean, no, I, see I it. actually was kind of upset I didn't go to the theater because I thought it would have been a really cool experience. And I'm sure it would have made a ton of money, just like all Easter movies do. In, you would have been, been
2: the youngest one in the theater by 30 years, man.
0: That happens, like, all the time when well, I, I guess go to that's the that's true.
2: You're, that is, that's a fair point. But particularly during that movie. Uh... Oh, yeah, I was also going to say this movie was a little bit like um, Stillwater, except way, way worse, you know, because he like he's in a he's not speaking Spanish and he's kind of looking like a cowboy and retrieving the kid. Yeah, it just reminded me of what a better movie Stillwater was.
1: Is it just like Stillwater because Clint Eastwood is the star and everyone else is just out of focus, guys?
2: Yes, I think that's it. And so. we we're now talking about how there's a problem with his looks.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: You guys are despicable. <laughs> <laughs> the character broke his back. I bet Clint still could those push-ups just like uh, like Jack Palance. You know?
1: Uh, don't I, you think that Dwight Yoakam
0: delivered those lines knowing it was a bad script? Like, yes. Can you kind of tell? I, 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 like, that's what I felt. Just I think he it. delivered them knowing that he's a bad actor.
1: <laughs> well, there's there's that possibility too. Is that Maybe that's why Clint found a bad actor to play his son. Alright, this has gone on long enough. One and a half stars from Zach and I, three from Todd. It's easy to find if you if you like Clint Eastwood movies. That means for you're better or for worse. 90 years old
2: and probably but, don't know what talking about. Yeah, podcast, If you want to see a
1: 90-year-old Clint Eastwood uh, <laughs> in a movie, watch Primacho. Okay. Now, now let's get to, to the important part here. Because it's a deep dive week, and we're celebrating a 25th anniversary of... One of my favorites. I love this movie, and I actually have the the I got the 25th anniversary Blu-ray. We are talking about Mission Impossible, the original Mission Impossible movie starring Tom Cruise, not any of the five sequel Mission Impossible movies starring Tom Cruise. Right there. Yeah, there. Todd's got him above his head. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about Mission Impossible uh this should be a lot of fun i think this is a good one to deep dive uh we're starting with some trivia and zach you're hosting
2: all right we're gonna start with todd
0: okay i okay.
1: so I'm, I'm i'm unplugging yes okay okay
0: yeah i'm gonna get destroyed because i don't know this movie very well at all
2: uh yeah i don't know it very well and i don't know my trivia questions very well because i wrote them yesterday <laughs> so this could be this could be a funky adventure how
0: um, many questions?
2: I think I have nine questions.
0: Okay, I'll probably get
2: a half of them. A half of a point. Okay. First question. Senator John Walter is the Democratic Senator from what state?
0: Uh, you got a one in 50
2: chance here. Don't blow it. Those are good odds.
0: It was... Oh, shit. I don't know. Uh, Arkansas. No, Virginia. I I was gonna say Virginia. I was, I I was (laughs) Arkansas, Virginia, or Vermont for the three in my head.
2: It's all the same.
0: Son of a Uh, bitch.
2: What is Ethan's password on the telephone?
0: I I don't. I mean, I don't know what what does he say. Something. I guess I don't really remember this part of the movie, but so it's it's letters, not not what numbers. Um, it's
2: Morse code. But it, it is Bravo Echo 1-1. I don't remember him saying that or, or entering that, but I wrote it down.
0: Oh, he does. I think he says it. I think he, like, yells
2: it. What What is Max's email address? You should get this. This was one of my favorite parts of, of the rewatch experience. Max's email address. It's... Uh... In 1996. It was wonderful.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, Job 316 at something. <laughs> right. I'll give you at aol <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll give you half credit for it because i don't think you're
2: gonna get any other points um it was max at Job space 314
0: yeah 314
2: yeah i don't you just love how people in 1996
0: uh, didn't understand I know. email i know that that it, was that was what i was going to say as like a flaw that you you don't yeah, have well we need this should email. be a whole
2: category we should talk about because it's, it's it occurs at and several max, points yeah. in this movie uh what are two point question what are luther's two nicknames? I have no idea. The Net Ranger and Phineas Freak. Yeah, real, real amazing writing there. Um, what are Ethan's mom's and uncle's names? I mean, I don't even want to say a guess. Uh, Margaret Ethan Hunt. So I guess he's named after his mother and Donald Hunt. <laughs> um, th- Three-part question. You might have a chance with this question. What are the three things that are controlled at the Langley safe? Like the three things that the three parts that you have to get past to get to the safe?
0: Oh, uh, There's like a a retinal scanner. Is that, is that what you're talking about? Like uh, talking about? N-
2: no. Okay. Maybe I'll rephrase it. The three things that trigger the alarm of the safe.
0: Oh. Uh, yeah. I should phrase the, uh, it that way. Uh, so there'd be like the the temperature. Yes. Yeah, that's one. The uh, like I I don't know if if there's any pressure on the ground or yeah. some whatever.
2: Yeah, I'll give you a point for that. Yeah, like a movement on the ground. And, and one, uh
0: Oh, uh, of sound. Correct. Three for three. Nicely done. Yeah, uh, it's unbelievable. Terry's gonna
2: get all those um what does noc stand for
0: like it's like a not not is i something about the like a it's it's it's, it's a, an agent who's not paid it's like a, a not occupy not not a non-occupational something i don't no. know
2: no. non-official cover
0: yeah yeah, so yeah so someone who's not paid, yeah. And
2: then, and then last know. question, what is the airline that Ethan flies at the end of the film? I don't know.
0: and I know it's not Qantas, but I'm gonna say Qantas.
2: it's not it's not too far off. it's it's British Airways. So yeah, oh, I'll put my thumb so Terry can see it. Is he there? Maybe he's updating his computer again. Hey, okay, you're back. I'm back. Come back. All right, cool. So, uh, Todd got a whopping three and a half points for this trivia. Pretty impressive.
1: Uh, out of a total of how many? Oh, um, I think more than three and a half. 12. I'm assuming. Okay. Okay.
2: Okay. Eight. So eight questions. I think twelve points. Here we go. John Senator John Walter is the Democratic senator from what state?
1: Oh what uh, Democratic Senator from Is it Texas? <laughs> I want to say Texas. No. We we're on the same track, but I I I should have gotten it right. This is a
2: Zach question. I would have I would have gotten this yeah. question. It's from Virginia.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Todd, I guess, was geographically closer with his guys. Oh, give me a point. Yeah, for I'll give good. you. I'll give you a half point for that. <laughs> yes, he said Arkansas, which is a little closer. Um, okay, what is Ethan's password that he gives on the telephone? Well, oh gosh,
0: that was uh, not
1: correct. That <laughs> it's a number. Um starts with a one like one one three five eight or something like that Eh, not really it is bravo echo one one i I had the one one right
2: yeah but you're gonna win anyway so you don't need (laughs) extra points what here's my favorite question what is max's email address and and you should get this
1: oh it's uh it's max at job 314
2: yes Yes, and we need to just talk about the use of email in this movie. It's just amazing. Um, what are Luther's nicknames? Two nicknames, two-part question.
1: Oh, gosh. I don't remember.
2: That he's never called <laughs> any other movie. Uh, he is the Net Ranger and Phineas Freak, because the writer of this movie was not great at coming. Robert
0: Town, <laughs> the movies. writer of Chinatown. <laughs> <laughs>
2: One of one of the many writers that probably ghost wrote, writ, ghost wrote this. Um, OK, uh, what are the names of Ethan's mom and uncle?
1: It's Jim.
2: No, no, that, was Jim. that's the John Voigt character.
1: Well, I guess that is John Voight character. Oh, um, uh, I. I. Uh, I don't know
2: oh it's margaret ethan hunt and donald hunt
1: donald okay
2: yeah you got you got some catching up to do terry yeah, i do you're down by three points with three questions left okay I although was this, to get all three of these though yeah this this one is worth three points what are the three triggers at the langley safe that's like three... what, what what triggers the alarm the three things that trigger alarm
1: oh oh right, right 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 so it's uh there's the temperature correct there's the sound, correct, and the the um the touch on the floor.
0: Uh, okay, yeah, move movement,
2: yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. count that.
0: Okay, got all
1: three. It's not all movement
0: right. because <laughs> you could move in the air. That's why I said I pressure on true. the ground.
2: Yeah, I think they even use that term pressure. Well, either way, both of you got three yeah. out of three on that. Um, okay, uh, next question: What does NOC stand for?
1: Uh, oh, what what does knock stand for? Okay, um, mm-hmm.
0: I know what it means. I just don't know what it stood for.
1: Uh. Uh. uh... O- operative code names something or yeah something operative code names is what i'm going with nah,
2: not really it no. is non-official cover oh okay and todd was closer on that um okay last question to break the tie what airline does ethan fly at the end of the film <laughs>
1: Big bold I, letters, man. I, I apparently did not watch this movie very closely when I watched it this week. Um uh, How much did
0: four days ago.
2: <laughs> not TWA, it's British Airways. British God Airways. damn it. Now we gotta go to a tiebreaker. Okay, where does this movie rank on my 96 list?
0: <laughs> Was <laughs> it the first time you watched it?
2: Yes. <laughs> This is the first time you've watched this movie. I've seen it in bits and pieces. I've never made it through the entire thing.
1: Okay, how how uh how many movies are on your ninety six list?
2: Oh, that's cool. a question
0: we never asked him before. On the one you
2: <laughs> okay, I'll uh it, I've now officially have fifty exactly fifty.
1: I will say it ranks twenty eight.
0: I'm gonna say thirty eight.
1: Todd
2: wins trivia. Wow. Who would have thought Todd would have beat it? It ranks, uh, it ranks number uh forty three in between Blood and Wine oh. and Girl Six. Oh.
0: That fact is the indication in of what nice. I think of this movie. Spike Lee. I only knew what I knew what knock meant because I don't know what it stood for because of the recruit because that's what the the Gabriel mocked character is. You did know
2: you were closer on that. However, it's highly debatable you that you got a half point for f- having Arkansas closer <laughs> to Virginia than Texas. That's very but... still one.
1: <laughs> 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 oh man. Okay that that was horrible, horrible. It was. Um, well, there were
2: no I, movie posters in Prague that I you feel know, like I need to watch the of.
1: movie again now. Um, okay, so. I picked this movie as our deep dive. I am a huge fan of this movie. I love all the Mission Impossible movies. But I think I think the first one is really the the best. Simply because I feel like they did something different with this one. And um, when I watched this, it was like the first really good spy thriller I'd probably seen to that point. And because of that, it's always been a favorite of mine. And especially since after this, it followed it up with mission impossible Two, which is a total just balls out action movie by John Woo and the exact opposite of everything smart and intelligent. This movie tried to do and uh, everything since that has found some sort of balance between the first two. But I think just the, the, psycho spy thriller that this first one is and the twists and turns it takes are so much better than any of the other ones that that have come around and the the twists you don't necessarily see coming and uh i i it, it's just great i love this movie and i think it started or it started tom cruise playing ethan hunt which I, you could easily say has now become the defining role of his career since he's now played it over six films over a 25 year period. So um, it, it's, it's pretty great. So Zach, you watched it for the first time and it's ranked number 43 on your list. Yeah. So tell, tell, tell us what you think of this one.
2: I mean, I just think Tom Cruise Ethan Hawk is just not a great casting choice. Honestly. Hunt. Oh, Hunt. what'd I say? hawk Hawk. (laughs) now that would have been interesting ethan hawk uh yeah played ethan hawk in this movie (laughs) um i love it yeah there we go no i mean this movie kind of sucked like okay you know a couple months ago todd made me watch uh what was it called eight millimeter no the the brian de palma the, oh snake eyes snake eyes yeah thank you i always get the so like that was a great assignment you know like watching snake eyes because that was fun uh, deep diving a movie like that is maybe a little bit more challenging like like this movie would have been a lot of fun if Nicolas cage had been in it that's the problem the problem is tom cruise like this movie is way too serious and when it should not be at all the plot of this movie is ridiculous it doesn't have any fun and I, frankly a lot of it is kind of ripped off from speed i mean let's be honest you get the de- you get you get the guy what? impaled to death on the elevator in the opening 10 minutes right you have a prominent character named jack you have a star from the 1960s and 70s as the villain and then the final act of the movie is on a chain uh, on a train on top of a train this is a rip off of speed and speed is a better movie
0: oh come on john void on a train that make you think of runaway train
2: Oh okay. well, that that too. Oh, Runaway Train is also well. I guess Speed came after Runaway Train, but
0: yeah, a ripoff of Speed.
2: Yeah, I think this movie is a ripoff of Speed. All it's, really? all it's missing is Mark Mancini. Really?
1: Oh, that was another problem. <laughs> Danny Elfman's score in this movie was awful. Uh, I'll give you that. I did notice that too. Danny it was Elfman like it was all those like score. beats
2: from like early '90s. It sounded like Edward Scissorhands, uh, Beetlejuice, like it, it, you know, like Poppy, you know, like who's dragging this movie? Tim Burton. I mean, come on, Emmanuel Bayard can't speak English either. I wrote Speed. down, a, <laughs> I, I wrote down a couple of my favorite Emmanuel Bayar lines. She says, "Ethan, you are not making any scent. It's like, oh, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah you I remember need, that one. <laughs> Needs upon some, uh, you know, cologne or something, and then at the end, of, <laughs> at the end of the movie. Uh, you know when she when the when the jig is up because in the in the shocking plot twist that john boyd's the bad guy she's like give him the money it's like give him the money not money money it reminds me of those great stories about isabel Pair on the set of heaven's gate not being able to speak english you know i'm talking about Tava? that documentary with you yeah. know and it's like I mean, listen, Emmanuel Bayard, she's fine to look at, but uh, I can't, you know, kind of indecipherable. I'm sorry.
0: Let's go. Let's go to Todd. Todd, your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I think it's the worst Mission Impossible movie. I always kind of yeah. have <laughs> like, I mean, it's like this or Fallout are, are the weakest ones for me. But I mean,
2: All out, really?
0: this is my number 57 of 1996 out of 97. Is it above Girl 6? It is two I, spots above Girl Six. I have, a, I have
2: a soft spot for Girl Six. I kind of like too. Girl Six I mean, more than
0: this movie. I know. Then why do we both have it ranked I, lower? I
2: don't. That's what I'm saying. I think we have it misplaced.
0: I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly, I kind of think the movie's boring. Like, I, and the the other Mission Impossible movies, I think are, are really fun and they have a lot going on. Like the the third one, especially, the stakes are super high and that movie is really yeah, serious, well, but it still to. has like a. Like uh, the playfulness, sort of, but I mean, it's got Philip Seymour Hoffman right. in it, right? And I mean, I love the second one. I watched that one movie the most, probably. I've, I've probably seen that ten times. I watched that a lot when I was like younger. So bad. I, I think second I think it's a lot one of is
1: fun. So bad, and I think Doug I, Ray I, Scott is horrible in that movie. I mean, yeah, I mean, horrible. Maybe. And I, we, re- I honestly, we really need we really need Tom Cruise with doves behind him, entering a in, entering yeah, a fight actually, scene.
0: You always need Tom Cruise with doves behind him. <laughs>
1: I I don't honestly. I
0: what is the one called Rogue something? Rogue Nation. I don't remember yeah. a thing about that movie, <laughs> like,
1: other than the plane, I, the plane, him hanging off the plane. That's all I remember about. That, that was movie.
0: that movie. I thought that was the Mummy movie. I don't know. <laughs> I but I, <laughs> I I remember liking Ghost Protocol because there was like a. I don't know. There were like a bunch of really cool <laughs> set pieces in that, but like yeah, that uh, was the, the
1: one in Dubai.
0: The second trilogy uh, is, is almost a different franchise, and but but the, the first three, I I don't know. I, I I don't understand why Mission Impossible, the first one, is is looked at as this great thing. I honestly, I have I have trouble watching it. I always have. Like I think this is the second time I've actually sat through it the, a, a full time, but. I don't know. I mean, it did start a franchise that has lasted a long time, and obviously Tom Cruise is always awesome. And uh, he, is, um,
1: but I don't know.
0: I, I don't really like the movie, but we, we can we can do our categories and stuff. It'll be fun.
1: Wow, wow.
2: You I, know what? I, one of the I... problems with this movie is is it's got a killer cast, and yet for yeah. some reason, Brian De Palma or the fifty writers on this, like. They were obsessed with not having them ever be in the same scenes together, except for at the beginning, and then they all get killed right away. It's like, you've got an amazing, come on, tell me. You don't want to see a, a, a cast with Jean Reno and Marcellus Wallace and Kirsten Scott Thomas and Emilio Estevez, but they're never on screen together. Like, come on, that would be that would be awesome to watch together, you know, Them breaking in and starting up some shit and like stealing some government files and stuff. But they're never together because this movie
1: is just it's overwrought like it's it's see, that's one of the things I love about this movie is that it's it completely just goes for it. And yeah, it's got this great cast. And guess what? It kills half of them in a half hour. It's like, whoa, wait, what the hell just happened? and then you keep going and then and all the other stuff is going on and the twists and the turns i i love this movie i don't know what the hell you guys are talking about seriously it's kind of bumming me out man <laughs> can i also tell
2: you something else that ruined the experience for me this is so, written by
0: steven Zaley and robert town and david kep <laughs> that's a pretty prestigious group of writers
2: i feel like it's the same group of writers that wrote the firm by the way like like the firm was also a, 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 a lot of development hell with that movie. And it was like, there's a lot of the firm written. in this movie. There is. That's actually the one of the more redeemable parts of this movie is that there is the firm in this movie. But like, OK, so one of the things that bummed me out for this movie is that, you know, it's only available on Paramount Plus, whatever, whatever bullshit reason that is. Give me a break. So I had to rent it from the library. And of course, the library copy is also 25 years old. So it skipped over. Well, it did two things that were annoying. So it skipped over the best scene in the movie. I'll we'll already reveal my pick for that category, which is obviously the the scene at Langley when they steal the computer, the floppy disk. Right, uh, you know, aged aged very well there. But that's a great scene. It skipped over that whole scene. So I actually don't really know that scene that well. All, all I ever know is the cover of the movie that Terry was showing a second ago with Tom Tom Cruise, you know, suspended in midair. And then the other thing that it did, which was really bizarre but kind of charming in a way is that it gave French subtitles anytime there was a computer warning on the screen. So, for example, when it was like, you know, it, it, it had things written, like, um, here, I wrote some down. It was like, no transfer. Or, like, (laughs) Signal Blige. Or, Sources Realize. And it did it in that, like, annoying yellow subtitle at the bottom. It only did it during those computer warnings. It never did it at any other point. So, hats off to 1996 DVDs at my library.
1: Oh, man. This is my number seven of 1996, by the way.
0: Wow. (laughs) Where's Girl 6?
1: Never seen it. (laughs) Never seen Girl 6. Uh, okay let's get into our mount rushmore yeah Yeah. let's do this mount rushmore so mount rushmore for this is going to be uh mount rushmore of movies based on tv shows and uh obviously we don't have a consensus here so i'm gonna go first and pick mission impossible because i think it's the best that we could get
0: moving on is there one we could agree on
1: i don't know is there the Fugitive? Right? I mean that, yeah, that does one, one of the four.
0: That's one of the four that I was thinking of.
1: Let let's let's just go through it and then okay. we'll talk at the end. Let's just do that. So Todd, go next. Actually, no, let's go Zach next, because Zach already threw one out there.
2: Okay. Pick. Well, I wanted to pick Naked Gun 33 and a third because I've now mentioned that in like six straight podcasts, <laughs> and technically it was based on a TV series.
1: But I, uh I really
2: thought that's where you are going. No, I'm not gonna go that direction um i think uh, there's a lot of great ones particularly from the 90s that i really enjoy Um Hold on, are we are we saying like movies
0: that are like a like uh so so, so like zach said sex in the city like would the sex and the city movie count but that yes. is that yeah that's not based on a show that's like an ex that's like another i, I would say an extension like of show
1: work counts so like
0: counts. el camino would count
2: i don't oh, know i mean shit now you're ruining my fun, Todd.
1: God, I gotta, well, I see, gotta this pick. Is, I mean, I know.
0: was not gonna do. I was not gonna go gonna with that either, you know but... Jackass 3D or something. I mean, that, I was thinking about so, it. So, but... so,
1: so no extensions.
0: That's what I was. I was, okay. thinking, yeah, I was thinking. I was. was like, if it has got the same characters, the same actors and stuff, I think. I don't think that's. I don't think that's based on a okay. show. I think that's a sequel. All
1: right. That's fair.
2: Yeah, I just don't want to pick El Camino because it actually is a great movie, but it's just not that fun to talk about. What is fun to talk about is Adam's Family Values, which was my pick because it's hilarious. Adam, Adam and I did an entire episode on it. It has some amazing one-liners, like uh, when uh, Joan Cusack, as the uh, you know the the babysitter, says uh, to Christopher Lloyd and Raul Julia, "Oh, you're just a but you're you're a couple of lady killers, aren't you?" And then Raul Julia says, acquitted. It, it has that kind of 90s humor like that. That is just uh, so wonderful and hilarious. And of course it has. Miracle. It's also a great Thanksgiving movie too. So for all the reasons, if you want to listen to more of my thoughts about it, go back to my podcast <laughs> with Adam. Uh, but it's a three and a half star movie from 1993
1: for me. All right. So Adam's Family Values and Mission Impossible. Todd.
0: Uh, okay, well, there's three I want to pick. Two I'm considering. What, I mean, what if it's based on a miniseries?
1: Was it a or, TV miniseries? Well, yeah. And yeah, sure. Tw-
2: Twin Peaks Firewalk with me? Are you really going with that? No. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: It's gonna uh, I was going to say. I mean, I I mean, it was going to be Traffic, but I'll, I'll go with 21 Jump Street. Because there we go. There we go. I mean, (laughs) I thought that was the obvious one. I thought we honestly could agree on that one, but Tony Jump Street's a great movie. One of the funniest movies of the last 20 years.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a solid pick.
2: Yeah. See, I like how, like, in Adam's Family Values and 21 Jump Street, they actually took the, the genres in different directions a little bit. And also kind of parodied the shows in a way. Because they knew that they were kind of shitty shows. But the, the fans could also enjoy them. I think that's hard to do. You know, please the fans, but also the people that are from a different generation. And I think Mission Impossible failed in that respect. Because everything you read about it on Wikipedia says the original cast and the original fans of the show hated the movie.
0: People did. Do, people don't like Brian De Palma. That's the problem.
1: That said, probably is more of an issue than anything else.
0: Yeah, they say that they don't like what they did with uh,
2: the uh, the John Voight character, which I think is understandable.
1: I and mean, that right, would be like so, making
2: Uncle Fester the villain in Adam's Family Values. Who wants so, that? That's so not,
1: well, that's not cool. What are we What are we agreeing on here? The Fugitive.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm totally fine with the Fugitive. I, yeah. that was one of the four I wrote down.
1: Or were the other ones you wrote down?
0: SWAT traffic. Yeah. Street. I like Starsky and Hutch.
2: I wrote that down.
0: I also wrote down Beavis and butt Do America, and Monty Python the Holy Grail, but I wasn't going to choose those because they have the same cast. What about Mulholland Drive? I was
2: wondering if one of you guys would bring that up. Even though it wasn't really <laughs> a TV series.
0: If that... it's an extension of the pilot of a show, I don't know. That's iffy, although I do like the thought.
1: My, my indulgence selections, like, Todd picking SWAT would be Land of the Lost with uh, Will Ferrell. Oh, was a terrible movie. <laughs> it was such a great movie. And, but, like Swat no, would nothing, be that
0: indulgent. That'd be nothing, a great deep dive. I love that. Nothing
1: movie. beats Will Ferrell running through a dinosaur's nest full of eggs while singing a chorus line.
0: Isn't Danny um, McBride in that movie?
1: Yes, he is. Okay, so maybe a little better than I Can we
2: can we please <laughs> deep dive SWAT in two years? That is a great idea. I was a big fan of SWAT. That's that's like Are we just gonna, I mean, we should just I mean,
1: like deep dive all of those like early two thousands Colin Farrell movies. Now I
0: thought For all the, Miami early two thousands kind of cop movies like SWAT, nat- recruit, like Showtime and National Security,
2: The <laughs> Recruit. We know your thoughts. Phone booth.
1: God. The other one I was gonna say was the A Team. I love the A Team. Oh, I thought that sucked. That was a I really thought that's
0: where Terry was gonna go, but I I honestly didn't know what we you were gonna say about Mission Impossible. I didn't know that Zach wasn't gonna like it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I love the A Team. That that movie was great.
0: Yeah,
2: it not so much.
1: <laughs> I like right. both Brady
2: Bunch movies though. You guys don't. I don't think you've seen either of them, well, but they're both fantastic.
1: Let's get into our second recasting of the of the episode now. After, <laughs> after that beautiful mind fiasco. Yeah. Uh, so recasting this, if it were to come out today, again, kind of weird because they're still making them with the current cast, even though only two survived.
0: It's honestly unbelievable how many times we've done this where, where that was an <laughs> issue. <laughs>
1: I know. All right. So let's start with Ethan Hunt. Who would be the new Ethan Hunt? Todd, who, Nichol- who replaces Tom Cruise? I have
0: Nicholas Holt.
1: Yeah, he's oh, okay. been in
0: he's been in a bunch of franchises. Honestly, my cast is like all British. I don't really know why that happened, but, <laughs> but N- Nicholas Holt, I think, could could do the action scenes, and and I I think he's actually a really good actor. I, I he's not Tom Cruise because nobody is, but I think it'd be fun. All right, Zach,
2: uh, I went with John David Washington because he essentially did play Ethan Hunt in Tenet, which is pretty much the exact same movie that this movie is.
1: No, I mean, it's, it's, it's so somehow, the same movie. somehow, Mission Impossible is this is the exact same movie as Tenet and while ripping off speed and okay. plane.
0: Honestly, I, I wrote down that Christopher Nolan had to have watched this movie before he started making movies because the first half hour of this movie is the, the, the it came straight like he, the Dark Knight Rises has that same sequence. Inception and Tenet have all have the exact the first half hour of this movie in them.
1: All right, I I thought about going with John David Washington, but I went with Aaron Taylor Johnson as Ethan.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's probably better. I I like that a lot.
1: Okay, uh, next. Let's see here. Who's next? Want to let's go let's go Claire next. Todd, um, who who replaces Emmanuel Bayard?
0: Well, I went with another foreign actress that I haven't seen in a long time. She was the uh, lead in Let the Right One In, and that's Lena LeAnderson. I—I mean, she's probably in her twenties now. I bet she's like probably like a... she's somewhere out there. <laughs> I have no idea. What's she
2: doing? She still making checks somewhere?
0: That's 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 pretty much a comeback role. Exactly. That's why I put her in this, and and because obviously you don't really need to be able to speak English to play
1: Claire. <laughs> that's a great it's a great description of that character alright All right, Zach who do you have
2: I went with Juliette Binoche but I actually forgot that she's old now but I, I kind of like
1: the idea
0: in 1996 she would have been too
1: old for that <laughs> oh man all right. I thought the obvious choice was Alicia Vikander, um, <laughs> See the but direction if, if we went with with this pick, yeah, if we're Rena going, if
0: we're, has been in two movies, both she in 2013. English too
1: well. If we're if we're going with with random foreign act <laughs> child actors that haven't been in anything in a while, I vote for Ivana Baquero over the girl from Let the Right One In.
0: Yeah, that's a that good girl one. from
1: Pan's Labyrinth? Oh. But, okay. I'm going, but officially, at least if it can. Can I
2: change my pick, then, to Saskia Rosendahl from Lore? <laughs> yes. I don't know what she's doing these days. I
1: mean, whatever. Okay. Uh, Jim Jim Phelps played by John Voigt. Todd?
0: I mean, since this is a remake of Tenet, or they're, <laughs> whatever they're around or something, it's, it's kind, kind of, of Branagh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: The same <laughs> character <laughs> yes <laughs> oh gosh
0: all right hey we're saying that chris roll <laughs> ripped off this movie terry that's almost like a, a positive thing <laughs> zach <laughs> yeah
2: i went with tim allen um because i was thinking about that david mamet movie with the, the mma movie that todd likes and like that was a cool movie. And Tim Red Allen Belt. was the yeah, Red Belt. Yeah, that was a cool movie. And uh, I remember Tim Allen was a villain in that, and it, it never it never took off. He never had another villainous role, except for in real life, I guess as a Trump supporter. But like I was like he to was in him. Toy
0: Story as a villain. <laughs>
2: I, guess, I guess that's true. But I liked I like Tim Allen. He's the right age for it. Although I like Kenneth well, see the thing is Kenneth Bronos the easy pick. So
0: And
1: he's yeah.
2: British. He is British.
0: Terry,
1: yeah. Okay, so let me try and remember exactly what my reasoning here. For Are this we just was. gonna
2: recast this movie as Tenant? Because now I gotta remember who was in that shit. Was Michael Caine in it? Yeah, he was in it for a second, right? I mean, he's gotta it was, be. It was he a, a new, be the FBI director, uh, he, he the Henry Sherney character.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so here is here is my thinking here. Um, so. Eighteen. It was eighteen years. That this didn't really work out exactly. I did the math wrong. Anyways, John Voight was a former Oscar winner, and I thought it would it worked out right for the right year. But um, I went with Tom Hanks. Bold. Yeah, Tom Hanks or 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 Tony Goldwyn. That was my backup choice for it. I'm
2: not sure I know who that is.
1: He's, isn't the, he like the, the, president the president scandal
2: yeah and uh the, the villain in ghost he i think he only plays villains not so helping you got, you got the right right idea there he also
1: was neil armstrong in from the earth to the moon
2: there we go mm-hmm. you don't know who tony Goldwyn is but you know who edward
0: fox is of course i love that movie <laughs> all
1: right luther who's still being played luther by ving rames oh
0: Okay.
1: Todd. <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, just like watching Ving Rames in this movie, I wanted those lines to be said by Kevin Garnett. So I said, <laughs> Kevin Garnett. Wow.
2: That would be okay. awful. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess we're going, like, you know, hey, we're going, if we're going to we Ving going is, is but... enough
0: of a not, not a spy <laughs> like Kevin Garnett. I, I think he probably is a little bit more covert than than Ben Raheem. Are we going to recast Max
2: too? Yeah, yeah, okay. we are. I have a great call for Max.
1: Okay. Well, what about your call for Luther?
2: Uh, I'm still looking. I'm looking at the Tenant cast. I'm going to go with from the Tenant cast, um, Martin Donovan.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, my my Luther. No, so Robert is... Pattinson.
2: Robert Pattinson. Sorry. That's a more recognizable name.
1: Okay. Well, my Luther, I'm gonna butcher this name, but I'll then I'll explain who it is. Uh his name is Okiariety Onawadwan. Uh he plays uh Hercules Mulligan in Hamilton. Oh and, and James Madison. And he also he's in one of the I think he's like in Chicago Fire, I think. One of the one of those movies. Anyways. I think he'd be good.
2: Probably better than Kevin Garnett.
1: Yeah, way better than Kevin Garnett. All right. We got two more to go. Max played by Vanessa Redgrave. Todd
0: I mean, there's I mean, it was Emma Thompson and it still is, right?
1: Oh, just, that's a good call.
0: Yeah. I really I I couldn't even think of anything else. It was like, yeah, this is the role Emma Thompson would be playing. I feel like she has before.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's gonna be better than what I got. Zach,
0: I went with Dimple Kab- Kapadia,
2: who is the Indian woman in *Tenet*, Absolutely. who explains the, who I she shows up to explain things.
1: I went with Jodie Foster. Mm. It feels right.
0: Like our inside man role. Yeah, or something. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it.
1: All right, the last one we have. We, we decided to recast one of the uh, one of the dearly departed from the first half hour of the movie and that's Sarah played by Kristen, Sto- Kristen Scott Thomas Todd
0: Well, it's gotta be British so it's gonna be Claire Foy
1: No, that's not bad That's not bad I like mine better Zach
2: I'm going Elizabeth DeBric- Debicki
0: Yeah, I'm going- I mean that's actually not bad
1: I'm going Carrie Mulligan It feels like it fits. I love Carrie
2: yeah. Mulligan. I do too. Do you guys watch? Did you watch the Oscars clip when Francis McDormand won? I feel like there's a conspiracy theory out there that the reason Carrie Mulligan didn't win was she was seated way in the back and she didn't have good lighting. You got the, you got Francis McDormand, you got a full, you know, key lighting on her face. You can't win an Oscar poorly lit.
1: Yes, yes. Let's make sure that we have a, a, purely lit Best Actress winner, but let's also put Best Actor as the last category of the night, so that we can give a tribute to, oh wait, the wrong guy won, and he's not available to give a speech, so Joaquin Phoenix is left sitting there like an idiot. Yes, that's, that's exactly what happened. Who would Nicolas Cage play?
0: I mean, he should have played a lot of roles in this, but I mean... He could have been Ethan Hunt in the Back of the Day, or any of the supporting guys, like the. I,
1: I said Kittredge.
0: Yeah. That that
1: makes a
2: lot of sense. Really.
1: If it, if it were today, he could have played. He could play the John Voight role. That makes sense.
0: I I think he he could have played basically any of the supporting roles at some point in his career. Not uh, not Claire. Okay.
1: <laughs> and the reason is because his English is too good. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Highest
2: war performance, Zach. Highest war performance. Uh that's tough. Um let's see here. I'm looking at the cast. I think I'm gonna go with uh Jean Reynaud pretty solid in this movie. Got no issues with him. Coming off the professional, pretty clear that the producers were like, hey, Jean Re- Jean Renault is is a known entity at this point. And um I don't know. I mean, is it his second best role or is Margaret his second best role? I don't know. I can't think of a lot of other Jean Renault movies, but Ronan. I, he definitely was in this movie. So, I give him props. <laughs> definitely was. And he operated the helicopter, right?
1: Yeah, he did. I I I had never put together truly that Ethan Hunt is going to battle with, with Leon and um, Marcellus Wallace before that, I mean, that's just brilliant. Um, yeah. I had two written down. One was John Renault and the other is Tom Cruise. I mean, if for no other, no other reason, then this is, he's like one of the most successful actors of our generation or several generations at this point, And this is, the defining role of his career because oh. he's still playing defining? it for 25 years well he's he was also playing maverick true true but he's done maverick and well if maverick ever comes out top gun maverick ever comes out it's now next memorial day but uh yeah he's played this one six times can i eight
0: if the other two ever come out yeah
1: can yeah, I tell you working something? on them. Can I tell you something I told
2: Terry Todd? The, the amount of time between the first Top Gun movie and today is the same amount of time between Ben Hur and Apollo 13. <laughs> <laughs> I'm how, also. How
0: long is that? Like, what? So, 30 36 five,
2: years. 36? I'm also very intrigued by the knowledge that uh Todd's favorite actress Thomason and McKenzie dropped out of Top Gun Maverick to be in Last Night in Soho what was her role in it had to be Tom Cruise's daughter right or a wife or... no she's she's a, she's a like 18 years old she couldn't uh, be anyone's we, wife
0: we discussed this she's like 23 right
1: <laughs> yeah
0: anyway no, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm intrigued sorry highest work yes please um I said Henry Zerny because I think he's great at that like really slimy uh, buttoned up role, but also being really untrustworthy. And I mean, I-, I saw that he's actually in the cast for the next couple movies, which is kind of cool because he has oh, wow. been, been gone for you know all the other ones. But I watched that that TV show Revenge, and he's. In that and in this, he has this way of like sounding ruthless and cold just by like whispering his really like chilling lines. And he's really good at that. I think he's really good in this movie.
1: Well, and the funny thing is, yeah, he's he's like cold and like evil and calculating, yet is the good guy.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. but you don't ever trust him.
1: Right. You, you you don't, even though he's the one you should be trusting.
0: Because he, yeah, because he has that persona. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. think he's, I, and that, that's that's something that is, works really well in this movie. That
1: is, that is a good call.
2: He is good in this movie. He was great in a Canadian TV series called The Boys of St. Vincent, where he played a child molesting priest. But, like, the problem I had with him is, how is this role not played by Bruce Altman? That would have been great casting in 1996. Yeah. A.K.A. Dr. Klein from Matchstick Men.
0: and that, uh, that was
2: a role he was born to play. He's also he in
0: Glengarry
1: Glen <laughs> Yeah, in that too. Rookie of the Year.
0: <laughs> he's the guy who oh. Shelly Levine goes to in. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, N- yeah. Glenn oh, yeah. I will always think of Rookie of the Year when I think of him,
0: though. I think of Matchstick Men. And Todd thinks of Glengarry Glenn Ross. There we well, go. I also <laughs> think of Matchstick Men. He's the, the shrink.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, Zach, what's the worst performance? Well, I think it has to be
0: Emmanuel Bayard because you can't understand her. <laughs> yes. I agree. I mean, it's not ju- it's not just the accent. She also doesn't speak up. So you really can't understand what she's saying. To me, it reminded me of like Marquetta or Glova in ones, but it's not in a way to make her sound cute. It's just bad acting. (laughs) Yeah. And, you
2: know, I also had some issues because this was at a time in Emmanuel Bayard's career when she got a lip job very clearly and uh, her lips are very bloated (laughs) and she kind of looks uncannily like a young Angelina Jolie. So like when she's making out with, you know, John Voight, it's just it's just not a good look there. I mean, yeah. Just a little, a little incestuous, as Jack would
0: say. This is fantastic analysis. Did, did you guys notice how John Voight, like he looks really bad in this movie? He looks like he does look bad. John, I noticed he that looks like John Voight now if he had a facelift.
2: This, you know, this and, a, is also, and a
0: bad tan job.
2: It's also I, mean, right I don't think before, I've ever seen that before. This is a long time ago. It's right before <laughs> Anaconda too, and he plays basically the same role in Anaconda, except with a bad accent. He should have been more yeah. villains. He should have been more or, ethnically ambiguous villains in the 90s.
1: All I have to say is, if this is the type of episode we get when we take a week off, we need to take more weeks off.
0: <laughs> or if we record <laughs> late on Saturday night.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, my worst performance is uh, Tom Cruise as a senator. It's really bad. You know, I was wondering about that. I didn't <laughs> I know was it was Tom Cruise for a him. While. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be him. It had to always be him.
0: It's not on the the credits for anything else, but he's not listed as playing that character, so it's obviously. Yeah, yeah, nobody's funny. listed
1: for playing that character. I mean, the only know, it, was, it was like the only way they were going to get him to look exactly like him is by making him him. <laughs> Do you know how <laughs>
2: many movies he's been old in? Like he was old in Minority Report. He got he took those pills to make him really old. And then he's been old in other movies too. I don't know. I, I have mean,
1: another he's Tropic not Thunder old in He's not old
0: in collateral. He just has gray, gray hair. hair. Yeah. Tropic Thunder. He's old. Like he, he's yeah. legitimately playing to some sixty-something-year-old. Right.
1: Can I give you
2: my take about Tom Cruise's hair? So, like, why not? <laughs> did you guys watch Drew Brees on Sunday Sunday Night Football? Yeah. So, yeah. So Tom Cruise's hair eerily resembles Drew Brees's hair in the sense that it's simultaneously could be long, it could be short, and it could be bald. Just like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible One, Two, and then Tropic Thunder. Not it's like the phases (laughs) of. Two, two. He's got like
1: shoulder length, like flowing locks.
2: Okay, yeah, that's probably more Aaron Rodgers
0: hair at this point.
1: I mean, look at that! Look at that DVD case above Todd's head. Yeah, it's Aaron Rodgers hair. That's a good call.
0: Yeah, good. Yeah, that is good.
1: Mm -hmm. Todd, who's the worst performance?
0: (laughs) I mean, I wrote down Emmanuel Bayard. I mean, it It has to be. I mean Terry you got to at least agree with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. At, at the same time she she like serves her purpose very well though. Like like I I don't mind her cast in that role. Does she though? I mean that that part of the movie is so underdeveloped too. Like they want
2: us to believe there's a love triangle, but then not really, and then they're kind of like passionate but not really. It's like the movie can't commit. To, to one thing or another so I don't know yep. that 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 was one of many weak weak strands of the storyline apparently right. George Lucas was the one that suggested a love triangle according to Wikipedia which is super <laughs> random <laughs> maybe I read that wrong go back and look at that again
1: uh all right uh amazing Larry Big Tim high roller minor character of the film uh I am going to go with uh where is he where is he jack? Played by Emilio Estevez. I I mean he he's always been like one of my favorites, and then he's the first to die, and it and that always like man that's just like a huge bummer, man, because he was really fun. Why did he have to die? In unreliable and always late.
0: <laughs> I love that you know that.
2: That's impressive. <laughs>
0: I also, that that was also my choice. Like, I, I think it's fun to see him in the, in that era having fun with the role because that's a role that Charlie Sheen could have never played, you know. But, I mean, I, yeah, I wanted more of him. I wanted more of the rest of that team. But what I think is weird, and maybe it's a fly or maybe it's just a really pimp move, is that when he gets impaled by that rod, he opens his mouth as he's heading toward it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it, that makes no sense. Like, normally you would duck or try to avoid get you know, getting or do a, a jump in the elevator rod but <laughs> shoot through the elevator and jump through it yeah you can do that too <laughs> not open your mouth and and like like bring it on
1: i mean there, he there had to be a way that he could have gotten around that i mean <laughs> i know <laughs> instead of just just it kind of felt like like the guy in austin powers with the zamboni <laughs> I, or whatever it was that the the yeah this that he is flattened flattered. by that's like yeah, like yeah, that, he, yeah he's what just I was accepting it. his fate what I
2: was but, wondering is they, they are so cavalier when they're joking in the scenes before that like oh you got to stay at the Drake Hotel when are you gonna put us up haha <laughs> do you think there's like a 1% chance that Tom Cruise thought that they were just joking like it was all just a big like prank like he was just getting punked that he actually got impaled in the elevator I think there's a chance. I, that group, see, I think Jack was the loose, loose strand to that group because him and Cruz had this bro <laughs> dynamic that was probably into, like, pranks and stuff. So they really shouldn't have ever been in a serious, you know, unit together.
0: I maybe, mean, I, yeah, maybe the I'm first one. It, yeah, but then when it If when they it had just, like,
1: video. been on the verge of failing their mission, Sure.
2: It's the same problem as, the, as Reservoir Dogs. You know, you get these guys that have too much of a, you know, they, they're, they're, you know, busting each other's balls. You know, nothing ever gets done. Anyway, I'm sorry. M- All on. right. Um, minor character?
1: Yeah, minor character, Zach. Okay,
2: I, obviously Jack is the right answer. But I also would say um, the TV show host played by John McLaughlin of the McLaughlin Group on PBS, because very clearly Dan Rather and Tom Brokaw and Peter Jennings turned down this movie. Very clearly, no news anchor actually wanted to be a Wolf Blitzer. They all said, no, this movie sucks. McLaughlin, you know, said, sure, why not? And was very blustery in his delivery, as as per usual. You guys ever watched the McLaughlin group? No. It, it was Lampoon on Saturday Night Live as uh, the Sinatra group with uh, uh, Phil Hartman as Frank Sinatra. Great, great sketch.
1: All right. <laughs> Spider stick, man. We'll go we'll go stickman and douchebag together. We usually do that. So stickman and douchebag. Spider Stickman, Billy Bats douchebag. Todd, you're first.
0: I mean, I don't know. Stickman's kind of hard. It's I mean unless you're just going Ethan, I guess I could say that. I mean that's that's kinda easy. Uh for douchebag. I I mean you'd have to go with I mean I, I think Kittridge is actually a douchebag. Even like like I was saying before. There's the way he acts, even though he actually is uh, the guy that you know is actually helping. He's a uh, he, like I mean, and that's Henry Zerny. Like he's he's great in that. He's a, he's a douche.
2: Good
1: calls, Zach.
2: Uh, Stickman in the movie uh, was Merrick Basut as the drunken male IMF agent because <laughs> he's making out with that Czech lady, and uh, the biggest douchebag in this movie is, I think, obviously Brian De Palma. Because if you watch those like, behind-the-scenes features on the 25-year-old DVD, he's talking very seriously about you know, the filmmaking aspects of this movie. I think he's kind of a terrible director. And I know Todd takes offense to that, but, like, what is with all the subjective POV shots in this movie? What is this, a first-person shooter game? Like, give me a break. Those were terrible. And then what's with all, like, the low-angle shots? Like, why is everyone framed from, like, you know, a worm's-eye view shot? Like, it's so distracting. Again, this movie is, like, it's oversaturated. It's overproduced. It's just overdone, you know? Maybe it needed an Eastwood to say, okay, do it in one take and let's move on. Like, it's just, it's, sorry, I know it's more of an LVP candidate, but I think he's kind of a douchebag. I I sense some real Chimino douchiness with his persona in real life. Apparently him and Cruz didn't get along.
1: So you reminded me, I need to go back. Another uh, pick for worst performance is the uh, IMF agent. That was the waiter behind Hannah. Oh yeah. Because, yeah, be, yeah. Just simply because.
2: Ooh, uh, big, big reaction.
1: Uh, uh, well, no, it, it just, when you have that distinctive of a face, you're going to be a horrible spy. Like that had to be, Ethan had to be sitting there and be like, Hey, that ugly mug was also the guy behind Hannah. I mean it, because it's like that you can't hide that face. It's well, just a distinctive face. And then
2: a similar kind of quibble would be like, why is Ethan Hunt when he's on the run from Kittredge and he's now, he now realizes he's the target. Why is he shouting at Claire? They're all dead. When people are after him, like that's sort of a dead giveaway. If people can hear your voice at the rendezvous point.
1: Cause that's like one of the best line deliveries of the whole movie. Like that's like, okay, he, sure. That's like Tom Cruise, like channeling Nicholas cage in that moment.
2: I with mean, I think Blair,
1: they're dead. They're dead. All, all dead.
2: Yeah, that's a better imitation. I I think he must have that written into his his you know contracts or something because he does have every every one of his movies. There's a scene like that.
1: Yeah. And and a scene where he's running. Um, apparently he got hit with a shard of glass when he jumped out of the fish tank. Um, in this one. All right, my stickman douchebag. My stick ba- stickman is uh Mr. Phelps. Uh, Because somehow he got married to Emmanuel Bayard. I don't know how that happens, but you got to be a stick man if you're you're 60 years old and married to her. And um, my my douchebag is Krieger. I mean, he's kind of horrible at his job, and he's horrible. So,
2: well, Krieger was only well, uh, Phelps was only married to her because she was after the Monet. As Emmanuel Bayard says,
1: <laughs> all right. What well, best scene of the movie? Zach already said it's the scene he didn't get to see. Um, I'll I'll go next, I guess. So I I, I have a couple I want to mention. One of them is the uh, is the scene like after that when they're back at the safe house and and the the whole floppy disk scene where Krieger's like I've got the disk and he and Ethan starts pulling like the sleight of hand stuff. It's like, do you have the right one or don't you? And
0: yeah, he was going scene. full Daniel Caffey in that scene.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he totally was. He totally was. That's a great call. But yeah, that that was, and and it ends with with him showing Luther that he trusts Luther. So uh, I like that scene. And then I'm gonna go with the first scene, like when they're all sitting down, hearing about their mission. Um, it is one of the best scenes yet also one of the worst written and acted scenes um, because one it's just cool to see that whole team together and the camaraderie they have and and like you get to see rarely do you see Tom Cruise like in a movie where he looks around a table and there's a bunch of like equals to him like him and Emilio Estevez are the same age right Kristen Scott Thomas is an amazing actress and then you got, and and he's just like one of the guys and totally feels it. And that doesn't happen with Tom Cruise ever in a movie at the same time. It's kind of horrible (laughs) because the, the lines they give are just lame at times. And, and it doesn't, it kind of feels a little contrived at the same time. I wanted to see more of it. So,
0: yeah, I, I like that scene, too. And uh, I, I was thinking that same thing, too. It's like where Tom Cruise is not, he's not the main character in that scene. Like, I, I think Leo is the only other guy that you could, it, is never, is not the, he's never not the focus of every scene in the movies that he makes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my favorite scene, I mean, Show is a great one. I mean, but I, the, what I love is the scene before that when they're explaining how they're going to do it. Because I, I think that that's even cooler. Because you get to see the how, how exactly impossible is going to be, and how and how we still have to do it this way, and you get to see how it's going to work. Seeing how it actually worked is pretty cool. It, it definitely inspired like a similar scene in Charlie's Angels. But uh, I really like the scene that shows how it's going to happen.
2: I actually thought about Charlie's Angels in this movie, too, because I feel like Charlie's (laughs) Angels had the same CGI as in this movie, like really bad, poorly done, late 90s green screen. I was also going to say, Terry, uh, you forgot to mention that one of the things that makes Jim Phelps also a douche is that he smokes on an airplane.
1: That's true. He does smoke on an airplane to hide the fact that his tape just self-destructed. But okay, yes, he does smoke on an airplane. Alright, I mean, I don't think we need to answer the question on if there were a sequel, but I was thinking, like, if there were a spin-off of this movie, what would you want to see? And honestly, what I would want to see is I would, I would want to see, like, an immediate prequel so I could actually see that team I was thinking that pull too. off a mission together. Yeah, I mean, that was
2: my biggest flaw. This is my biggest flaw with the movie is they look like an awesome team, you know? <laughs> Like you got Kirsten Scott Thomas and you got Emilia Estevez. You got the one chick. I, she's miscast. Like who the hell is she? Like I've never seen that actress <laughs> once in my life. You got these A and B list stars, and then some. Well, Kirsten know, Scott Thomas this was actress. the same
0: year that she was in The English Patient, so yeah. she was not a star yet.
1: Oh,
2: I disagree. She was in Four Weddings and a Funeral. She, I think, she was a pretty big talent by that point. She wasn't a star. She wasn't I even think the main she character. Really, but big by that point. Okay, she
1: was recognizable.
2: Yeah, I don't know who the other lady was either.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah.
2: Who, who knows? Yeah.
0: She, uh, yeah. <laughs> she, she might. I don't know.
1: Her name was Hannah.
0: And she wore big, big glasses. Inga Borga Daptku <laughs>
1: Apparently, those syllables add up to a name.
0: From uh, <laughs> Russia. Did she also play Hercules in Lithuania? She was in Seven Years in Tibet. I don't know. She was in Red Sparrow. Hannibal That's Rising. A- Yeah, she was a big, a big-time Lithuanian actress, Zach. I'm sure. I'm surprised you don't know her.
2: I'm. Yeah, you know when this. I did have hope for this movie when the first line was, "Are would you like to watch some Ukrainian cinema?" Like, yes. (laughs) All right, that's the way to start a movie.
1: I was not expecting. Oh wait, we don't get to watch it too. Oh man. (laughs) Gosh. All right. Um. Do we? Do we have any more flaws that we need to talk about? Flaws, outdated conspiracy theories. Well, I think we just need to talk about
2: the use of email in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how, like, the internet works, which this movie has no understanding of whatsoever. Like, apparently, Tom Cruise is able to write as, as Job, but also as Max to himself, I think. <laughs> I don't think he. I think he's sending emails to himself. I'm not sure. It reminded me of that that episode of The Office when Jim is sending Dwight to emails from the future himself. It just it it was it was bad. And uh, yeah, the just the 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 email address.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I you think don't have spaces in your. I email don't think I don't think so. it's possible. <laughs> I the way I always took it is it was like a chat room. Like he was, he was writing in a chat room. And, and so then, he was writing to Job in, or to Max in that chat room. Why are there so many terrorist
2: groups with the word Bible in it? Like there's I, 126 rogue
1: groups that are apparently Bible study groups. No, he, he, he was just writing in every language. I mean, uh, it, I mean, the, the Bible chat rooms were the, the European goldfinch.com of, uh, of Mission Impossible. <laughs> wow. Right, Todd?
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: (laughs) I I, I mean, I was confused confused by that, too. (laughs) That's how I took it. It was a chat
2: room. Didn't you think that Brian De Palma thought he was so smart to put the Bible on top? Okay, he's like, look, look, here's what we're going to do. Tom Cruise is going to be writing Job 314- but then he sees the Bible, and then we're gonna do a close up of it in sharp focus, and then the dots connect. It's like, yeah, good, good for you, Brian De Palma. That was just in, it, so stellar, so subtle there, just amazing, amazing. Yeah, movie.
1: that that's a that's a detail the director came up with, and totally wasn't in the script. Well, <laughs> it
2: was him or one of the fifty writers, Robert Town. I mean, you know, who knows? Could could have been him too. We By the way, the that draft. was a Prison
1: Break reference before. European Goldfinch. Prison break.
0: Was it European Goldfinch?
1: No, I don't. That's what I was wondering too. I kind of felt that sounded wrong, but it was somethinggoldfinch.com.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a good call either way, but <laughs> I, was, I was trying to figure that out. Yeah. I knew what you were going for. I was like, uh,. Oh. <laughs>
2: I had a couple more things that I haven't found a natural place to incorporate. How is Matt? How is Max not played by Sigourney Weaver?
1: that would have been a good call. Vanessa
2: Regra is a little old at this point, but I think Sigourney Weaver smoking a cigarette would have been a much better call there. And then this movie also very obviously inspired that, or excuse me, the the end of this movie, the climax, of this movie very much the inspiration for the fake movie on Seinfeld called Chunnel. Do you remember that, Todd? There's an episode where they all go to the movie Channel. I remember and, Channel. Yeah. And it's an action movie that takes place in the Channel. It's very clearly derived from the finale of this movie. I never, I didn't know that before because I've never made it that far in this movie. I usually stop at the 25 minute mark.
0: Yeah. These are amazing. I got, insights. No, I got nothing else.
2: <laughs> Ethan Hunt is a point man, but not a stick man. I was
1: thinking. EuropeanGoldfinch.net.
0: European. Oh, okay.
1: I I, I had it wrong.
0: <laughs> I mean, you just said the first part before, but you were right either way.
1: Yeah, EuropeanGoldfinch.net. And here, the best part, the best part of that one was it was a real website that you could go to at any time and see their correspondence that they used in the show. That was, that the was best a definitely
0: like, yeah, mid 2000s thing that you do on the internet. Mm-hmm, was
2: their correspondence mm-hmm. more riveting than job talking to max <laughs> i mean and then Ma- i love how max was like hey, you weren't the real job job doesn't joke around like that yeah because there was so much joking in that email that he wrote
1: <laughs> he, he was quoting the scripture he was playful he all playful job right. is yeah, not, job
2: not is playful, playful. <laughs> i don't know i could see john Voigt being a little playful with that bit, with that big face, that big puffy face with the wrinkles, not looking so hot. He's got nothing. He's not got not a lot of lo- to live for. So why not be a little playful?
0: Okay. Well, my flaws. Uh, I I thought that Don Donlow, like, uh, that's the guy who they like. He's going into the vault and stuff that they're like poisoning. Oh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think he has the quickest schedule ever because he sits down for coffee to read the paper and then like 5 minutes later maybe he's up and he's already immediately having to go to his next meeting or something like why did he even sit down like i and it was it all was orchestrated and they they knew how quick his schedule was what like i don't understand what he even could have accomplished there just by sitting down for that like couple minutes i don't know reading
1: reading 5 minutes of the paper
0: yeah and they, and they just immediately why why did he even go in there might as well just gone and sat somewhere early. I don't know. And the other thing is if you're all expert spies, like this is your job, how do you not know when somebody's wearing a mask Like, like, and somebody isn't who they are? Like this is like a daily thing for these people. You see that in the other movies. <laughs> like the audience can see it coming. How did they not see it coming? Like that is their damn job. I don't know, man. I didn't
2: see it coming because I thought that trope was so stupid <laughs> that the movie wouldn't stoop to that level of low.
0: Every so I was, one of I was even
2: surprised that. by that.
0: Which one? (laughs) Like they do it multiple (laughs) times. Uh, All right, I I have
1: a new, um, I have a new worst performance and a new favorite minor character. My new worst performance is the train engineer because that dude did not fit at all. That was like the most like slapstick moment of. That was like a Wes
0: Anderson character, something. Yeah.
1: And and my new favorite minor character, one of the guys at the party at the beginning, was played by Dale Dye, who's just awesome. And I don't know who he, that is. Colonel Sink from Band of Brothers, and he's like no. the go-to like military expert and uh, and consultant on every war movie, and can he's we, awesome.
2: Can we start a segment where Terry mentions the actor in the movie that was also in Band of Brothers or From the Earth to the Moon, <laughs> or The right stuff or prison break,
1: yeah. We'll do it right next to the uh, the uh, speeding naked gun uh, references. So, (laughs) all right, LVP, MVP. Uh, I'll go first. My LVP is the exterminator at the CIA because that rat really screwed things up. Um, and if the exterminator had done their job we wouldn't have had the, that issue.
2: I don't know what you're talking about I, there so, was yeah. a, this was in the because I, I, I read that online that there was a rat that was involved but the, my DVD skipped that scene so what happened
1: so so while they're in so while Krieger is is holding up uh, Ethan as he's scaling down and and everything, he uh, a rat comes up and he freaks out and he lets go of Ethan so he can kill the rat, and then he just... also
0: I I had almost I had written down as a potential MVP is John Renault's rat killing capabilities because that's that was true. a really quick, quick
1: kill. Yeah, <laughs> as a he drops the rope to kill the rat, grabs the rope again, and that's when you have the moment where where Ethan is just like an inch away from the ground, um, and the, but then the rope is off the off the pulley at that point, and so it makes a noise whenever it's pulled up and it's potentially too loud.
0: How did he kill the rat? Did he use his knife? I don't know. I don't know how he did it so fast.
1: I don't know. Uh, My MVP is the casting director (laughs) for Mission Impossible (laughs) Fallout for casting Vanessa Kirby as the daughter of Max, because that was just genius. Because Vanessa Kirby looks like a young Vanessa Redgrave. Like, like that was okay. the thing that when I watched Fallout, more than anything, when she walked out and said that she was the new Max, that was like a holy crap! What a beautiful, perfect casting that is. So, that's my like movie. Zach. All
2: right, my LVP of this movie is the movie Girl Six for somehow being worse than this movie. I don't know if I can totally defend that, but in a way I kind of can, because Girl 6 is like spectacularly bad. This movie is just like normally bad. I don't know. (laughs) And then my MVP from this movie is the theme song. Um, And in doing some research, the theme, uh, it was actually nominated for two Grammy Awards, which is weird because it was. In the same category, and it was for the same song. It was for the theme from Mission Impossible. It was nominated for the nineteen ninety seven Grammy Award for Best Pop Instrumental Performance. I don't know how you you're able to get to be nominated twice in the same category for the same thing. That's like Barry Fitzgerald nineteen forty four shit or something. But it's impressive, and it didn't win. It had two and five sh- shot.
1: Well, I, I I bet people didn't know which one to vote for. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is the definition of vote splitting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the same performance. i mean shouldn't
2: nicholas cage have gotten two best actor nominations in o2 if we're doing that i don't know like we should do more yeah. of
1: that
0: uh yeah todd well, this is a Brian De Palma movie. I'm sure this was probably supposed to be R-rated. So I'm gonna give the LVP to the studio because if this was an R-rated Brian De Palma thing, like I think that would have been awesome. Like put a, a few voyeuristic scenes in there, a, a lot more violence. You could you could see what happens when he opens his mouth when he's being impaled, you know. And I don't know. I think it would have been awesome. Yes. I, lo- I love put a few more voyeuristic scenes
2: because there <laughs> were a lot of opportunities for that in this story. There, there were a couple <laughs> and That that is, yeah. Let's femme fatale this up a little bit, get Re- Rebecca Romaine in there somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Even would have given it three and a half stars, put in a lesbian, uh, uh, you know, totally necessary body lesbian lesbian yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, let's do yeah. it.
0: Uh, the MVP is, of course, Tom Cruise's core muscles <laughs> because I mean, that's just amazing that when he falls, <laughs> I don't know how the hell he does that. Only Tom Cruise,
1: only Tom Cruise. Only Tom Cruise. All right. Let's wrap this up. Quote of the day. Do we have another quote of the day? I know we did a Norm quote of the day. Do we have another one? I do. I do. All right. Let's go. Let's go to Todd first.
0: Uh, My quote is a review of Deuces Wild from Jack Matthews of the New York Daily News. And he says, Deuces Wild is the worst thing to happen to Brooklyn since the Ice Age severed it from the mainland. Yeah, that's a fantastic blurb (laughs) see that takes
2: takes thought you know that's like that's an intellectual approach
0: more thought than went into the movie
2: I'm pretty sure Ebert gave it two and a half stars
0: I don't think I ever saw his review
1: All right, I'll go next my uh, my quote is uh, from Jack in Mission Impossible when uh, he's explaining how the gum works to, uh, to Ethan and he says, "Asta lasagna. Don't get any on ya.
0: It's a great. Quote. Awesome.
1: It's a great quote. Nice. All right, Zach,
2: my quote comes from the late great Norm Macdonald, rest in peace. Who said, I'm pretty sure I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure if you die, the cancer dies at the same time. That's not a loss. That's a draw
1: yeah i've i've heard i've seen that one around that's an awesome one for sure
2: uh all right we should deep dive dirty dirty work
1: that would be great or at, at least a at least a a retro review of some sort all right with that we're gonna draw this podcast to a close thank you guys so much for listening we'll be back at you next week with another episode until then have fun watching movies and we'll catch you on the flip side